Hello and welcome to this edition of the Ian Abernethy podcast. You can watch videos and listen to other podcast episodes by visiting www.ianabernethy.com. So, without further ado, here's Ian Abernethy. Hello everyone, I'm Ian Abernethy and welcome to the latest edition of the podcast. Uh, in this podcast we're going to be discussing Funakoshi's uh, six rules that he discusses in uh, Karate Door My Way of Life. Uh, some of the podcasts uh, I carefully script out and write down word for word and um, other ones are like this one where I just kind of start talking and it goes where it goes and often I find that ones where I just talk are the, the better ones really but we'll see if you agree or not. So this was one where I just kind of picked up the uh, the, the, the book uh, and gave you my thoughts on Funakoshi's uh, these six rules of which there are only five but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, before we get into that, just some a little bit of news, uh, hopefully some stuff that you'll find quite exciting. Uh, the first one is that uh, you, some of who've been listeners for a while will remember that a few years ago I floated the idea of, uh, it was SATMA, which stood for Society of Applied Traditional Martial Arts. Um, and with one thing and another, uh, didn't really kind of get that off the ground, but there was a lot of interest in it, because lots of people like us who are interested in um, the pragmatic side of the arts. Uh, we often have problems where we have to affiliate to groups who are heavily sporting-based or uh, the gradings tend to be highly aesthetic in nature. Uh, those who try to train in a practical way sometimes studied, uh, struggle to get kind of the recognition that they want. And the, um, So there's, yeah, there's, there's issues. And I thought there was uh, there's a growing kind of community worldwide that I became very aware of on my travels. And I wanted the kind of, I kept thinking somebody needs to set up a body for this, someone needs to set up a body for this. And in the end I thought, you know, well, I may as well do it. Um, but for various logistical reasons, I wasn't able to get that kind of off the ground independently. So a, a few months ago I had a chat with uh, Peter Considine, uh, Ninth Dan, who obviously trained with Peter on a regular basis and you'll probably all be aware of uh, who Peter is. Uh, so him and Jeff have run the British Combat Association, which is arguably, you know, the world's leading organisation for a kind of practical martial arts. Um, so, I, so I talked with, with Peter with a view to kind of trying to do something together because they obviously have all the kind of admin skills there. Um, the infrastructure is already there. And obviously Peter's martial uh, background and practical background is kind of second to none, really. So um, what we decided to do was uh, originally we looked at doing something within the World Combat Association, which is the uh, like the, the world wing of the BCA. Having just chatted with Peter, Peter said, well, the easiest thing to do here is for myself uh, to become the kind of chief instructor of that of the, the WCA and then we have that body there and we can use that for um, to cement this community that we've developed. So the aim is to do things uh, through that like uh, for help people design syllabuses, um, There'll be uh, people can uh, apply to have the syllabus uh, World Combat Association approved, uh, then any gradings that people do against that will be recognised by the WCA, um, obviously there'll be lots of kind of technical input and content uh, from myself I want to produce uh, things especially uh, for that and we've got some things already done we've already designed the the websites uh, well underway we've designed the kind of grading books we've designed the certificates we have the processes in place for grading so if you're listening to this and you're one of the people who uh, wants uh, to practice in a, a practical way with you know good high standards 
and you've struggled to find an organisation that can support you in that, this might be what you're looking for. So at the moment, uh, I'd appreciate if you'd kind of hold off with your questions and stuff. We're nearly there. We hope to have it up and running within weeks, a couple of weeks. Um, so if you're a subscriber to the newsletters, you'll get to know about that. You'll be able to download the brochures and everything else as soon as we've got that, uh, that up and running. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that will be of interest to you and, and more to come. Uh, now, uh, on a related note, um, or kind of related, I said if you could hold off with your questions, uh, the website uh, has obviously been very successful uh, to the point where we have a <laughs> we are, we have we, we pay for effectively unlimited bandwidth on un unlimited size, you know. Uh, but there is a fair usage policy on that, which we're butting up against now. So the the site has proved very popular, which is wonderful. And uh, one of the consequences of that is I get uh, a massive of email uh, off the uh, the back of that. And for years and years and years, I've always managed to kind of keep on top of that. And, and I've made sure that everyone who emails me gets a response. It's now just at the point where I can no longer do that. If, if I was to, I mean, I just couldn't. If I was to spend all day long answering emails, I still wouldn't be able to get back to everybody. Um, so I am very sorry about this. But I'm obviously, if you're emailing, you know, seminar requests and the kind of stuff like that and orders and things i'll always make sure i get back to you but it's getting harder and harder to do uh, technical questions and provide that one-on-one -on -one support for people uh, i just can't can't physically do it there isn't enough hours in the day um now that's something that i aim to do for people through the uh, the wca of course but um i just need a little bit of understanding and appreciation with the the email side of things uh, folks so I want to remain in touch with people. I think that's important. I like interacting with people. But I think the best way to do that will probably be through the forum on the website, uh, the Twitter feed. So it's at uh, Ian Abernethy, I-A-I-N-A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y. And, and, you know, I am good at re replying to all the tweets that get sent to me. We have the Facebook page as well, of course, which facebook.com forward slash Ian Abernethy. Um, so if people uh, could use those mediums as, as a means to stay in touch that would help um and personal emails to me uh again i'll always do my i'll still continue to do my best to, to, to get through as many as i can but um i'm sorry to say i just can't do what i used to do when people send kind of long in-depth questions about things i would always try and get a response uh, and i just can't can't do that now so i hope you'll understand that and obviously that You'll still get plenty of information from me via these podcasts, via the website, and I say the Facebook and Twitter feed um, as well. So um, if you can cut me a little slack on the emails, that would be great. <laughs> All right, anyway, so that's it. Uh, so watch out for the WCA, and I am sorry about the current email situation. I will do my best to get back to everybody, but it's 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 getting very hard to do so. Um, tweet me, I like being tweeted, it's great Anyway, so uh, that's enough from this introduction We'll start now, we'll move across to the discussion um, On Funakoshi's uh, 6, in brackets 5 uh, Rules that he presents in Karate Do, My Way of Life Okay, so in this podcast, we're going to discuss uh, Gichin Funakoshi's uh, six rules, um, of which there are only five, but we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> uh, and these appear in Karate Do, My Way of Life, of Gichin Funakoshi's book. And as I just said, it says six, it says six rules, but for whatever reason, rule number three is missing. Um, so there's actually five, but you know, in the introduction, he obviously says that uh, there are six. 
So let's just kind of have a little look at what Funakoshi says, and I'll give my take on these rules as well. Um, and that's a point. You know, this is I'm not saying my opinion is necessarily the same as what Funakoshi's opinion is. I'm not saying that uh, my view is what he meant by these. I'm just giving you my take on them. So when he starts, he says, uh, to be sure, the best way to understand karate is not only to practice the kata, but also to gain an appreciation of the meaning inherent in each of the various kata. So I think, you know, everybody listening to that would agree with it. You know, it's not just a matter of learning the forms. It's a matter of uh, understanding what those forms represent, how those movements should be applied and, and everything else. Uh, Furukoshi then goes on to say, well, he's talked about kata in some length in Karate Do Kyohan. Um, and that's not the point of this book. So he's going to mention these six rules, again, of which there are only five, um, which he says the strict observance of which is absolutely essential for any man who desires to understand the nature of the art. Okay, so Funakoshi obviously regards these, these five rules effectively as being uh, important. So let's start breaking them down. So the first one says, uh, number one, you must be deadly serious in training. When I say that, I do not mean that you should be reasonably diligent or moderately in earnest. I mean that your opponent should always be present in your mind, whether you sit or stand or walk or raise your arms. Should you in combat strike a karate blow, you should have no doubt whatsoever that one blow decides everything. If you have made an error, you will be the one who falls. You must always be prepared for such an eventuality. So that's the kind of first start of it. And, and again, you know, I think we'd most listening to that would, would agree with that it's very important that when you train you do so with intent um, half-hearted training where the mind wanders or you don't take it seriously enough is, is, is rarely, uh, rarely beneficial and combatively we need that ability to be in the moment to be absolutely fully committed to what we're doing at that particular point so I would agree completely with Funakoshi, uh, Funakoshi there the next uh, line is, is quite a famous one and is often widely quoted where he says, uh, you may train for a long, long time, but if you merely move your hands and feet and jump up and down like a puppet, learning karate is not very different from learning to dance. You will have never reached the heart of the matter. You will have failed to grasp the quintess, uh, quintessence of karate do. So, and again, I would agree with that one as well. We know people who's, um, and I'm, well, I'm saying we, but I know, and I'm sure you do too. You know people whose movement, is, is is great you know the kata looks sharp it's it's really strong but again as funakoshi says if we if we lack that um quality of like deadly seriousness and just move our hands around it's it's not different from learning to dance and we see that we see lots of people who uh, can perform kata okay uh, they can fake intensity they can make the faces make the right expressions and <laughs> they can look as uh, as in their moment they're mimicking it but it's empty and it's it's hollow because it's in, un unapplicable, that would be the ultimate test. It may look fine, but it won't do what it's supposed to do. Now, I've used that analogy myself before. If you look at a, a car, let's say we'll take a Rolls, a Rolls Royce, and it, on outside it looks perfect, it's well polished, it, lo it looks immaculate. You get inside the car, I turn the key, it doesn't move. You find out that the car hasn't got an engine in it. So, again, from the outside, it looks the same as any other car. It looks fine. It looks like, like a Rolls should look. But when you actually try and test it and use it, you find out it's unworkable. And I think that's the problem we have with a lot of uh, the way kata is, is approached. And as Funakoshi says, when, when you do that, it's not too different from learning how to dance. It looks fine on the outside, <laughs> but it has no essence. It has no intent. Uh, so we need that. You know, It's not just a matter of learning the, uh, the movements then. So, I mean, that's 
in terms of understanding Kata performance combatively, I would agree with all of that. Funakoshi then goes on. He said, to be deadly serious then is not just uh, uh, essential for the follower of Karate Do, it is equally essential in everyone's daily life. For life itself is a struggle to survive. Anyone so complacent as to assume that after a failure he will have another opportunity will seldom make much of a success in his life. So, as is typical um, for Funakoshi as well, he, and I agree with him on this, he extrapolates the combative need uh, to be in the moment, to be fully committed to what we do, to have that intense intent, and then he takes that outside of the dojo too, and I would, ag- I would agree with that. Um, if you fight in a half-hearted way, uh, you apply your techniques in a scattered and unfocused way, then you're not going to be successful in the dojo. You're not going to be successful when you're defending yourself. Uh, likewise, that also applies to, to daily life. If we're going to do something, then we should do it. Full intent, full commitment to it. If we do something half-heartedly and without that intent, then we're almost certain to uh, to fail. And uh, this is what, obviously, Funakoshi is expressing in uh, that first point. So, again, you know, if we just kind of recap what the opening line was, the, the, the original point, it says, you must be deadly serious in training. Um, and I would agree with that completely. Not only for the, the need uh, to, well, embrace the art fully, to understand how cutter uh, is supposed to work, so there's an, there's an internal feeling to it as well. It's not just uh, empty motion. Uh, and then to, to develop the right mindset that we need for, for, for combat and for self-defense, that's very important. And obviously, as Funakoshi says, uh, that will hopefully spill out into daily life too. So we develop that uh, ability or that habit, if you like, to fully committing to whatever we do. Okay, we'll now move on to the the second one, uh, which I really like this one. There's a lot of things that Funakoshi brings out, which I think are are really important. And and he brings to light some of the things that we see missing uh, in much of modern karate training. Um, Okay, so what his opening line is, uh, train with both heart and soul without worrying about theory. (laughs) Um, <laughs> now it's an interesting one for me because um, I think obviously theory uh, underlying principles, concepts are important and Funakoshi kind of comes to that in a minute so I don't think he's saying train mindlessly or train superficially I think we do need to understand the principles of whatever we're doing we do need to internalise them we need to have that theory embedded but the essence is we'll get that theory to be fully understood by training with heart and soul which goes back to his first point, really, by training with uh, with intensity and, and, and putting ourselves under pressure. Uh, it's then that we'll gain a, a true uh, intuitive understanding, uh, a deep understanding of the concepts and principles upon which karate is based. Um, if you train uh, just to try and look at the theory, just to discuss it without putting in the, the hard graft, it's an intellectual understanding, uh, which will never be usable in combat. It'll crumble under the stress of conflict. So, and that's what Funakoshi is saying, is, is made uh, clear as he carries on. But there's a lots of interesting things that he, he brings out. So the second line, again, is really important. He said, uh, very often a man who lacks that essential quality of deadly seriousness will take refuge in theory. And I think that one bears repeating. He said, very often a man who lacks that essential quality of deadly seriousness will take refuge in theory. And there's not a dojo in the land, I think, where that doesn't exist, where the uh, people can talk a good fight or they can talk a good training session. Um, but you don't really see that in them, in their martial arts, in the way that they apply themselves. And I like that idea of taking refuge in theory. So, again, nothing's pressure tested. Training's not intense enough. 
Um, and rather than face up to the hard training, well, what we can do is talk about it. Uh, and again, in this internet age, we see that an awful lot, you know. So <laughs> there's a balance, though, of course. So I would hope that um, those listening to these podcasts are also hard trainers. You're not the kind of person who just, you know, likes to listen to the theories expressed in podcasts and on videos and read kind of articles online or whatever all of which are obviously important and i spend a lot of time doing but those will be uh, things that are uh, supplementary to actual training actual physical hard graft so, um, theory why important isn't something that we should um, say take refuge in we shouldn't use theory to protect us from physical training so Funakoshi goes on, he says, let us say as an example that a man has been practicing a particular kata for a couple of months and then he says with a weary sigh, no matter how hard I train, I cannot master this kata, what shall I do? Funakoshi goes, a couple of months? How could he master a kata in a couple of months? He then later on he talks about, you know, even a simple stance you couldn't master and it's important that you, you practice and work and he says what nonsense then for a man to complain after a couple of months of practice is incapable of uh, mastering a kata true practice is not done with words but with the entire body which again goes back to the you know taking refuge in theory thing you know you've got to train yeah, and this is this is important he says others have mastered the kata that you are practicing why then are you unable to is there something wrong with you these are questions you must ask yourself you must train until you fall from exhaustion then you must continue using the same strict regimen so now here's another one right so others have mastered the kata uh, it's saying and if you can't is there something wrong with you so humility is obviously an important part of uh, of the martial arts and obviously an inevitable part of the martial arts if it's done correctly because if you're training hard you're always butting up against your own weaknesses um it's impossible to get arrogant because you're constantly reminded all the time that <laughs> we're all half as good as we think we are you know but this one here he says you know others have done it so why can't you and this is one of the things i think we see in in modern martial arts where masquerading as uh, humility is this kind of self-defeating attitude like you know oh, I, you know well i could never do that 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 person was a master therefore who am i to kind of question them who am i to aspire to their ability uh, this is something that funakoshi returns to uh, later on but i think it's important that we notice that he's not he doesn't accept limitations he, he feels that everyone is capable of mastering it if, if one person can do it then all people can do it so we have to be careful in training and in everyday life, I guess, too, that we don't set limits on ourselves, that we just go, oh, I can't do that because I'm not like that other person. Well, that other person's a human being, same as you. So if you put that work and effort in that the other person did, then obviously you can um, achieve the same results, you know. Furukoshi then returns to discussing about um, kata, and he says, uh, karate consists of a great number of kata and basic skills and techniques that no human being is capable of assimilating in a short space of time. Further, unless you understand the meaning of each technique in kata, you will never be able to remember, no matter how much you practice, all the various skills and techniques. All are interrelated. And if you fail to understand each completely, you will fail in the, the long run. But once you have completely mastered one technique, you will recognize or realize, sorry, realize its close relation to all other techniques. You will, in other words, come to understand that more than 20 kata can may be distilled into a few basic ones. If therefore you become a master of one kata, you will soon gain an understanding of all the others, merely by watching them being performed or by being taught them in an instruction period. So I mean, there's quite a lot in that, you see. So 
one is, you know, I, I, he says that unless we understand the meaning of each technique in kata, you will never remember, no matter how much you practice, all the various skills and techniques. So again, what he's encouraging, encouraging us to do there is to practice in a deep and meaningful way. Uh, not to practice uh, kata in a superficial way or in a way where we just move, as Funakoshi says, uh, our arms and legs like puppets. Um, so I, I think that's important, especially from an application point of view. Bunkai-based karate, it does fit together well. Everything is interrelated. And it is important that we understand all those various elements and, and, and put them together in the way that they're intended to, to be. I also think... And I like this line a lot. It says, once you've completely mastered one technique, you will realize its close relation to other techniques. Now, and I think that's true as well, because that's part of principle-based practice. Locks, for example, all based on certain principles of leverage. Strikes all have common things about the body weight and generating torque and shifting of mass. and It's all the kind of same stuff. And once you have internalized the principles of a given method, uh, those principles will be present in every method of that type. The the trouble with so, the, but the way we get to that, the way we get this principle-based understanding, um, the theory that Funakoshi talks about in the other one, is through that hard training uh, by drilling a technique over and over and over again to the point where we get it to a high level and we can apply it under stress. That the concepts and principles embodied in that technique are then internalized. Uh, and that's when we become uh, adaptable and versatile because however we fight, we're going to fight in accordance with those principles. They become internalized habits. Because one of my personal uh, kind of bugbears is people use the word principles sometimes as a kind of get out of jail free card. So they'll practice something that's entirely uh, impractical. The, um, the classic example for me is things like you know, the t kind of one-step sparring where a guy throws a noizuki from 10 feet and then there's a very contrived defense. And, and whenever I point this out to people, they say, yeah, yeah, no, okay, but it's not meant to be practical. It's about principles. So where that falls down for me is you can't have uh, practical principles uh, arising from impractical techniques. You know, practical techniques have to be based upon practical principles. So what we need to do is by practicing practical methods and drilling in practical ways, we'll start to internalize those uh, principles because the more examples we're given, the more we'll start to spot the common themes. Um, so I, I agree with this statement that once you've mastered one technique, you'll realize it's close relation to all other techniques. Uh, and what forms that close relationship is the principles. So, um, and anyone I've ever trained with who's been a, a, what I've considered to be a really good instructor has always taught in a principle-based way. You can always narrow down what they teach to one or two core concepts, but you need to see many examples of those concepts before it fully gets, um, uh, gets internalized. And then again, you know, he goes on, once you become a master of one cutter, you will soon gain, gain an understanding of all the others. Well, again, I think that's true because the core concepts are what we're going to discover. Uh, so in the past, Funakoshi said, you know, people studied narrow and deep, whereas now they study wide and shallow. Um, that's from another part of his writing, not from here. But I, again, I think that's true. What we need to do is, 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 is aim to kind of get deep understanding of what it is that we're practicing. And then we'll internalize those principles. Uh, we will understand how everything within karate is uh, is related. 
Now, what Funakoshi then goes on to do, he tells a, a, a tale of um, a reciter of uh, ballad dramas who was made to repeat the same part over and over and over again to the point where he got sick of it. Uh, he runs away. Um, he eventually kind of performs this one thing he's been made to repeat over and over and he, he comes to realise just what a good teacher he had for, for, for making him do that. So, again, there's that importance of... of, of core methods drilling them repeatedly over and over and over again so the methods become uh, internalized and uh, i think it's hard to kind of uh, disagree with that if we want high level understanding and high level application we do see that of course in a lot of modern martial arts dojos where um probably in a desire to most entertain students rather than train them where people do lots of different things to a superficial level but if we are looking for a proper, deep martial skill, then I think Funakoshi is completely right. You know, it's it's um, get what we need to practice, uh, study it in depth, uh, practice obviously to so we internalize the principles of it. And when we have those common principles, we'll start to see them through every single method that we practice. And that's when we'll get that interrelated, really holistic uh, form of practice where we've got wide base of skills that are they're all uh, coming together that we're not learning like lots and lots of separate little tricks we have common principles that run through everything we do uh, which will make us very holistic and very uh, versatile when we uh, when we fight so the third one as i've said is is missing um there is no third one despite the fact that funakoshi um, says that uh, so the next one we've got so number four he says avoid self-conceit and dogmatism <laughs> now <laughs> Again, I like this because we see a lot of this in modern martial arts. Um, so Funakoshi continues, he says, A man who brags in booming tones or swaggers down the street as though he owned it will never earn true respect even though he may actually be very capable in karate or some other martial art. It is even more absurd to hear the self-aggrandizing of one who is without capability. In karate, it is usually the beginner who cannot resist the temptation to brag or show off. By doing so, he dishonors not only himself, but his chosen art. Now, there's a balance there with what was discussed earlier. So we'd all agree with that. You know, it's important that we are aware of our true limitations, um, that we don't kind of uh, deceive ourselves about what actual skills that we've got, uh, that we don't become uh, arrogant. And especially, obviously, uh, we're not arrogant if uh, we haven't got any skills to be arrogant about. <laughs> Uh, but that's balanced with what he said earlier where he said well who are you not to be a master is there something wrong with you so there's that balance there so we don't want to have hum humility to the point where we are belittling ourselves all the time and doubting our ability to achieve likewise we don't want to be so confident of our ability to achieve things that we ignore the actual facts and the hard work required to achieve those things so there is that, that, that balance to be aware of what we need to do to progress and to get on and do it. Uh, and also to understand that through hard work, we're capable of achieving uh, a lot more than, uh, than we may at first think. There's also the, the side of that where Funakoshi says that um, if we do brag and show off, we not only dishonor ourselves, but also our uh, chosen art as well. So, and that's true, obviously. You know, we're all ambassadors for what we do. Uh, if we do behave in a um, aggressive, bombastic, arrogant way, um, it obviously reflects badly on the art that we practice as well. So again, I think that's fine. I agree with that absolutely, uh, completely. I guess the danger is if that's uh, taken in isolation against what Funakoshi said earlier, and that we regard it being arrogant to 
believe that we have ability uh, to try and develop that ability and to try and achieve what past masters achieved. Because uh, Funakoshi says, you know, if you're not doing that, then why not? You know, what, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do what the past masters achieved? And you've not been arrogant by trying to do that. I think you're just arrogant if you believe that you've done it without putting the, the, the work and grafting that, that they did, you see. Which, again, leads us nicely into the fifth one, where um, Funakoshi says, Try uh, to see yourself as you truly are and try to adopt what is meritous in the work of others. So there's the, the key ground, really, between the uh, having the belief that we can achieve what others have achieved and by also by avoiding arrogance is to make sure that we understand where we sit in the great scheme of things we understand that what our strengths are what our weaknesses are and the, the way we can do that of course is by interacting with others which because as funakoshi goes on he says as a karateka you will of course often watch others practice when you do and you see strong points in the performance of others Try to incorporate them into your own technique. At the same time, if the trainee you are watching seems to be doing less than his best, ask yourself whether you too may not be failing to practice with diligence. Each of us has good qualities and bad. The wise man seeks to emulate the good he perceives in others and avoid the bad. So, of course, you know we can ob observe others to get an idea of where we are, to try and copy the strong technique in others and the, the weaker points. It's something I've always done when I've started training with somebody. I've normally observed qualities that they have that I want. So, and I think it's important to do that to to, to say, okay, this is the skill that they have that I I want I want to get to, to get from them. Um, and again, you know, using things for self reflection. So, if you're watching someone you think's not that good, well, why are they not good? You know, what are they doing that's that's not as it should be? And that can be technical things, or in their attitude to training, or a whole host of other things, uh, other things too. And I think he, what he says is perfect. The wise man seeks to emulate the good he perceives in others and avoid the bad. And as part of that, of course, as using others as a, uh, a yardstick for progress, we can do that in our sparring and everything else. You know, we can practice and uh, use those things uh, to our experiences to work out what we're doing well and what we're not doing well. So that's important, and I say, and that gives you the balance between uh, self-belief and and arrogance. So we have belief in ourselves and belief in our abilities to achieve great things, but we're not so arrogant to believe we've achieved them when we haven't. So that's, that's the fifth point to try and see ourselves as we uh, we truly are. Uh, the sixth one is maybe slightly more controversial in parts, uh, but it um, he said, and I don't agree with parts of it either. But he says, abide by the rules of of ethics in your daily life whether in public or in private so you're absolutely fine so I, I agree with that one if we're an ethical person we'll be an ethical person we won't just be an ethical person in public because you are who you are your your character is you so if you're an ethical person you'll be ethical in everything you do whether people perceive that or not uh, if you're just pretending to be ethical then you may well be in public but not in private so that point is is is, is valid and Funakoshi said this is a principle that demands a strictest observance and he then returns to the martial point he says with the with the martial arts most practically with karate do many neophytes will invariably exhibit great progress and in the end some may turn out to be better karateka than their instructors i frequently hear teachers speak of their trainers as pupils follower uh, disciple junior I feel such terms should be avoided, for the time may well come when the trainee will surpass his instructor. 
so, and again, see, this is the the point, you know, on the earlier ones. Funakoshi doesn't like the idea of people being kept kept down. Right? That uh, humility is the idea that well, you'll always be a pupil, um, and I'll always be the instructor. He, he agrees that there'll become a point where the trainee should try to surpass the instructor, and he doesn't see that obviously as being an, an arrogant assumption that the, the student should believe that one day they will surpass their instructor and the instructor should want that to happen because if it doesn't then obviously karate will go into permanent decline with each generation being worse than the last and i would like to think that we can see that that hasn't happened i, I tend to think that the standard of karate is getting higher and higher and higher overall obviously there's pockets where it's it's poor but i think overall i think it's getting better and better and better People are easier able to network. Quality of instruction is better. Modern sports science is better. Um, it's very easy for people to get the best instruction now uh, in a way that would have been difficult in the kind of pre-modern age, I guess. So anyway, so I think that's important. And he also says the instructor. In, so he's talking about using those terms and referring to you know students, juniors, pupils, all that kind of stuff. Because the instructor, meanwhile, is using such expressions, the instructor, meanwhile, in using such expressions, runs the risk of complacency. The danger of forgetting that someday the young man he has spoken of rather slightly will not only catch up with him, but go beyond him. In the art of karate or in other fields or of human endeavour. Uh, the familiar tale of the tortoise and the hare not only applies to children, says Funakoshi. <laughs> um, so, I, I, again, I, I like that a lot. I think it's, it's, I like it a lot. So, again, the idea that as instructors we should acknowledge that uh, one day uh, our pupils may well exceed us. Uh, and we should hope that for them as well. Um, and likewise, as pupils, we should hope to exceed our instructors. Um, not arrogantly believing we have before our time, of course, but through hard work and effort and self-belief, that's what we should be uh, be trying to do. So I'm okay with that. Um, it's the next bit, I think, of everything that we've discussed so far, I would largely find myself agreeing with. The next part of, of Funakoshi's take on, on point six uh, is he crosses a line for me. He then takes uh, the idea of karate being, a, 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 you know, something that we excel at to develop ourselves with to make sure that we avoid uh, conceit and arrogance that we foster self-belief at the same time he then kind of crosses the line and almost tries to present karate as a like a, a religion which personally doesn't sit comfortably with me uh, i am of the belief that you know karate is a fighting system uh, it's certainly challenging and as i've always said i believe that uh, martial art good martial art should be both life preserving and life enhancing so I'm a grand believer in the martial arts being an opportunity to develop character. Uh, what I'm not comfortable with is the idea of them as been presented as almost like a religion or a pseudo-religion or a form of pseudo-spirituality. I think that anyone can practice karate regardless of what their particular faith or religious outlook happens to be. Uh, and I don't like the next part of this. Um, so anyway, so I'll, we'll go through it and we'll, we'll discuss it. So he said, uh, I often tell my young colleagues that no one can attain perfection in karate until he finally comes to realise that it is, above all else, a faith, a way of life. Uh, way of life may be faith, I'm not keen on that. He says, uh, when a man enters upon an undertaking, he prays fervently that he will achieve success in it. Further, he knows that he needs the help of others. Success is not to be attained alone. 
With karate, by extending help to others and accepting it from them, a man acquires the ability to elevate the art into faith, wherein he perfects both body and soul, and so comes finally to recognise the true meaning of karate do. I'm not comfortable with that paragraph. There's parts of it I do like. So the idea that we need the help of others. Of course we do. We need people to train with. We need people to instruct us. Um, success is not to be attained alone. Exactly. Of course it isn't. We need... Uh, help from uh, those above us, those who uh, those who started after us. Uh, we need help from lots of other people in order so that we'll all progress. Uh, by extending help to others and accept it from them, of course we're going to improve. You know that, that that's the important thing. We not only take from karate and take from others, we feed back into our training. Uh, but it's this point here. He says where the man acquires the ability to elevate the art into a faith. I'm not comfortable with that. And then comes to recognise the true meaning of karate do. Again, not comfortable with that. I, I, I am, I'm happy with the idea that karate can be a means to uh, to develop character. It's this present presenting it as a kind of a, a pseudo religion that doesn't uh, doesn't sit well with me, and I would imagine uh, wouldn't sit uh, sit well with others uh, listening to this either. So. Um, he said, I'd like to think I am mistaken, but I'm afraid I am not. All too often recently, I've heard young karate trainees use expressions as like a man of real ability, a man of battle, a man of actual combat. These terms are absurdly childish and betray an abysmal ignorance of the meaning of karate do. Agree and disagree. I mean, in terms of karate do and, and the idea of using karate as a vehicle for a challenge and for self-development, then you can argue that fixating solely on uh, combative ability is a mistake uh, and would be uh, uh, you would be sp displaying an ignorance as Funakoshi says of karate do but to, to me the, the jitsu and the do are very closely re related through the practice of the, the, the jitsu and the hard physical challenge that it presents uh, that's when we find out about ourselves that's when we find out about our strengths and our weaknesses um, and hopefully we choose to address those so we become more efficient inside the dojo and that leads to more efficient habits outside the dojo like on Funakoshi's first point if we can be deadly serious in training we'll be deadly serious in other areas of our life as well uh, we'll have a, a discipline and, and a commitment and in, an intensity uh, in our intent to achieve things that will develop in the dojo that we can take outside but you need combative training to do that so if I walk into the dojo and I'm half-hearted in what I, would, I do, as Funakoshi quite rightly says, what will happen in the dojo, it won't be a good day for me. I'll get, <laughs> I'll get beaten and battered. It won't work well. On those days where I am uh, disciplined and focused and, and, and trained with complete intent and I'll be successful in the dojo combatively, and then also then I can take those qualities outside. But without that kind of intense environment within the dojo, I can't develop those attributes. If I was to walk into the dojo and it was just, you know, lazy and uh, uh, relaxing or, you know, even just moderately difficult, it wouldn't develop character. It wouldn't develop intensity. So I agree with Funakoshi in terms of if you if you were to go that karate is just about your ability to uh, kill another man or defend yourself from another man, then I agree. You're missing the point, really, I think. But that doesn't mean you can divorce karate from conflict. It's a martial art. You can't can't do that, uh, in, in in my view, because in doing so, you, you lose the foundation. So, um, so I guess I, I'm just to move to one side. I think Kano, the founder of judo, 
the, the guy to me who really best understood the door concept I, I think he expressed it well when he talked about the three levels of judo where he talked about low level judo being judo as a martial art so we practice it as a, as a, a combative system and then through doing that obviously our minds uh, and our bodies and our characters are, are tested and through those we become stronger more able people which will be second level judo middle level judo to to use the martial art of judo as a, as a vehicle um, to develop uh, develop ourselves uh, mentally and physically and in terms of character as well and then you've got what for, uh, Kano referred to as upper level judo which was using the strength you've developed and the character traits you've developed to be of use to um, your fellow man to, to contribute back to society with it now and I like that because then the door side of it is there in levels uh, the middle level and the upper level however we're not ignoring the lower level um, the, the, the conflict so I think sometimes people use a door as an alternative to the jitsu yeah 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 you don't need to worry about the fighting side of it I'm not bothered about that that's lower level stuff it's barbaric I'm not interested in that what I'm interested in is bettering myself as a, a human being fine but you can't do that without the stresses and strains of combative training so again I, I, um, I get what Funakoshi is saying because he's talking uh, he says these terms are absurdly childish and betray an abysmal ignorance of the meaning of karate do so I, I get that is what he's but he's saying that you're getting stuck in the lower level if that's what only you're concerned about but for me and Kano the lower level needs to be there to progress the middle and upper levels so we learn it as a, a combative system a fighting system lower level through doing so we become stronger physically and mentally okay so that would be the middle level stuff and having done so we can then use those attributes to be of use to you know ourselves and, and th those around us as well okay I've probably talked about that enough so anyway the next part Funakoshi said in as much as karate do aims at perfection of mind as well as body expressions that extol only physical prowess should never be used in connection with it so again I think that's the point okay so what he's saying is that uh, karate do aims to kind of uh, perfect the mind as well so if we're only using uh, if we're only care about physical skills combative skills then it's not really karate do okay because there's that do element but again I would emphasize the idea that the uh, the jitsu leads to the do so I, I, in my mind you can't divorce the two uh, Funakoshi then uh, he continues he says uh, uh, as one Buddhist saint has so aptly said everyone who studies the sutras should read them not only with the eyes that are in his head but also with those in his soul uh, this is the perfect adm admonition for the uh, trainee of karate do to always keep in mind again not comfortable with that personally again for the reason of you know the use of the word soul and, and all that kind of stuff i think that this presentation of, of karate as say, a, a form of self-contained pseudo spirituality or a self-contained religion i i don't like that because i don't think that's true and, and uh, again it, it it makes karate into something it's not and obviously people do do have strong religious faiths it makes them very uncomfortable with practicing it I think there's also no doubt that some people kind of accentuate that and play on it a little as well um so you do see people who take that very um it always reminds me of the kind of the master on the 1970s kung fu tv series you know you get people who try and emulate that in the teaching um, which again makes people uh, very uncomfortable practicing it. it certainly would me anyway so um so i'm not 100 again i absolutely believe in the karate as a means of, of character development it's when he starts using the terms like faith and soul that i get a little bit uncomfortable with that 
Okay, so there's those kind of five precepts that we've got there. So we'll just have a quick, uh, quick run over those, a quick recap. So the first one is, you must be deadly serious in training. Uh, number two, train with both heart and soul without worrying about theory. Very often a man who lacks the essential quality of deadly seriousness will take refuge in theory. Uh, number three, as we discussed, uh, is uh, missing. Uh, number four, it says avoid self-conceit and dogmatism. Number five, try to see yourself as you truly are and to uh, try to adopt what is meritorious in the works of others. And uh, number six, abide by the rules of ethics in your daily life, whether in public or private. So, again, that's just, you know, picked up the book and that's some uh, stream of consciousness <laughs> about those um, five points. If Funakoshi says six, but there's only five of them there. And again, I think the real value in these things is, is they the give us a chance to uh, reflect on what we do, the, the arts that we practice and, and how we practice them. We shouldn't, as I say, I don't have to agree with everything they said. We shouldn't be taking uh, the words of the old masters as some kind of like commands from on high, some kind of like uh, unquestionable gospel. But as means to kind of read the words and the thoughts who are the, the originators of our art, people who are further along the path than, than we are, I think it's important and it helps us kind of reflect on uh, on our own practice. So again, as I say, that this is my thoughts on those five rules. Um, I, I don't for one second say that they're the definitive uh, take on them and I'm sure many listening to this will have their own uh, views. Um, so yeah, so start your own podcasts and, <laughs> and and share those views with people as well. So anyway, I hope that was of some use to you. I hope you found that uh, that interesting. And in a future podcast, I'd like to look at Funakoshi's uh, twenty precepts from the uh, the, the, the Karate Do Tai Kan and Nakasone's explanations of those as uh, as well. Because I think they're uh, very interesting to explore, and Funakoshi has some very clever and insightful things to say too. So. That's it for this five uh, rules on. I hope you found it of, uh, of interest. So we're almost at the end of uh, this particular podcast and just some few uh, final things before we go uh, off air. Um, not really off air is it really these days it's offline i guess um so anyway yeah it's just the obviously the world combat association that uh, myself uh, peter constein jeff thompson are uh, involved with uh, as i said in the introduction i hope this will be something that will be of great interest to you so uh, please watch this space uh, to get news on that best thing you can do is go to ianabernetti.com and join the newsletter uh, it's free to join that newsletter and you can unsubscribe at any time and also if you keep an eye on the twitter feed and on uh, the facebook page as well uh, and also just thanks for listening into the podcast i enjoy recording these and it's always great to know that people like uh, listening to them um so yeah, totally free of course we, we do like most of the stuff we do we don't charge for it uh if you asked uh, you do like what we do and you, you want to help support it then if you pop along to the site have a look at the books the dvds um see if anything's of interest to you or pop along to some of the seminars because all the kind of obviously the uh, funds generated from that help keep all this kind of stuff ticking over and uh, yeah i think that's about it so thanks once again for listening in i'll be back with uh, a new podcast uh, shortly and in the meantime you know keep uh, keep in contact keep an eye on the website uh, keep an eye on the twitter feed and the facebook pages and uh, yeah i'll speak to you soon okay thanks now bye bye <laughs>